This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now it's time for the Score 2022 NFL Draft Special, starring Mike Mulligan, Bears legend Olin Krutz, former NFL player Anthony Heron, and live from Hallis Hall, Bears reporter Mark Grody, here on Chicago's home for Bears fans, Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. With your 168th pick in the 22, 2022 NFL Draft, the 1985 Super Bowl winning Chicago Bears select Braxton jo- Jones tackles Southern Utah, bear down. Well, that's bloody well done, sir. That was family, Molly? Is that a <laughs> no, mulligan? No, no. Uh, I should tell you, draft coverage on the score is presented by Amco Transmissions and Total Car Care. Call 1-800-GO-AMCO for the nearest location. And uh, and yes, I'm not sure who announced it, but that, uh, uh, that was an international selection there of uh, Braxton Jones from Southern Utah. And we are delighted to welcome in Braxton Jones's uh, line coach. It is Aaron Hernandez from Southern Utah who joins us now on the score hotline. Uh, excuse me, Aaron Fernandez from uh, from Southern Utah joins us now on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate you guys' time. Well, it, it is great to talk to you, and congratulations on seeing one of your guys uh, drafted in the fifth round. What can you tell us about Braxton Jones? How pumped up are you about this one? What a cool moment. Yeah, I, I've, uh, I'm very pumped up. I'm, I'm very close with Braxton. I've been with him the whole way. Um, first and foremost, uh, you know, Bears, you guys are getting a great human being. Um, a young man with a great head on his shoulders. Um, a guy that's obsessed with the process and really loves the O-line um, culture and, and really just is excited to, I know, continue to grow in this game and, and leave an impact on it. So, yeah, you guys are getting a good one. Coach, just from the little bit that I've seen on film of Braxton, it looks like you talk about uh, he's engaged in the process and it looks like he's processing 
information at the line of scrimmage there really, really well. Uh, is that one of the strengths of his game is recognizing stunts and blitzes and fronts? Yes, sir. Yeah, he's a, uh... He's very cerebral in the game. Um, even from a young freshman, you could tell he, he was a little bit different than the other younger guys in the sense of how he, he looked at the game, the questions he asked. Um, and then in, in some of the systems we had him in um, at the tackle position, um, he was actually uh, in charge of, of, of calling protections to start the call. Uh, we did some jet protection stuff, and um, he had to be very cerebral, leaving, reading the third levels and understanding safety structures and how they back up uh, um, blitz surfaces and things like that. So he's a very cerebral football player. He gets it. Um, you know, he, he's very he's his own critic in those ways, and then those guys are usually the best when they, um, you know, they look at the game that self and the, the way. And so I think uh, he's going to continue to to grow in that sense too. And it's the first year for new Bears brass, new GM, first time head coach, and they've talked a lot about sort of reshaping the the bodies of some of the current offensive linemen and the team as a whole their athleticism, their speed, their hustle. It really seems like Braxton, as an offensive lineman of his size, is the type of guy that still fits that. How would you describe the, the level of athlete he is? He's a really good athlete for his length. Um, he can get up on the second level and uh, and block linebackers. Um, we had him out in different screens uh, where he's getting out and blocking DBs. Um, he can change directions for a big guy. Um, I think he proved in some of his workouts and, and even, even the straight line stuff uh, at the combine that he's a big guy that can run, and so he'll fit that mold. Um, and I think also he's barely scratching the surface and where his body's kind of headed next into that grown man strength realm and um, changing his body a little bit. I mean, coming out of high school, um, he was 260 pounds, gangly, um, tall and long, and um, you know, his junior year, we, we, he was playing at 320, uh, start of the year in San Jose State. So and I think he'll continue to improve there. So, yep. Uh, you know, it's interesting, Coach, because we heard from one of the Bears scouts, they talked about him, you know, as a left tackle, right tackle, maybe being able to even move inside. If, uh, if they, and they said they were on him for a long time, uh, right down to the fact that they had a private workout for him. Did you expect – he would end up in Chicago. Was that one of the teams that that uh, were there? Other teams giving him private workouts. Did you did you anticipate this? I I, I didn't anticipate it necessarily being the Bears. I, I will. I was with Braxton at an award show um, a night prior to before he was going up to Salt Lake, and he had mentioned that the Bears were the last team that were going to work him out. Um, they had a private workout set up and a dinner. Um, so I had known that, that they were kind of the last team that were going to get their hands on them, and he had mentioned some other teams he had been to. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, and I would be lying. I was sitting there with my kids at the TV, and, and um, when the Bears' pick came up around then, in my gut, I kind of felt like it was that that was going to happen, so that was interesting. That's, that's awesome, Coach, man. Now, um, in the NFL, as you well know, and a lot of times in college too, and I'm sure he's gone through it, is – I like to call it that dark moment, man, when you start to question yourself, can I do this? I got, I got to improve on some point of my game, that football character. Do you have a story about Braxton or just tell us a little bit about uh, why you believe he's that type of guy who when he goes through the hard time, that hard moment where I, I got to improve my game, I got to work on something. Uh, is he the kind of guy who's going to get into that film room, come ask the coach, can you help me break down my film, help me work on this part of my game? 
Yeah, yeah, but and I think he's aware of that. I think he's very he's so he's so self aware. I think he knows that some of those times are coming. Um, I you know I would have a few stories, but I, I could just say this: um, he's truly come from that developmental uh, side of things. I mean, he redshirted uh, with us at Southern Utah. Um, there was moments where, you know, he, he probably wasn't even winning uh, any one-on-one reps as a young player. You know, you go through that when you're just, um, you know, learning the game at a higher level and the speed. Um, so he's truly had that that developmental foundation. Um, he was one of the guys that was one-on-one with me in the film room um, a lot more than others. Um, he's that guy. I think also when he gets around some veterans um, and some veterans give him some pointers, uh, I think he's going to be he, – he's the type of personality where he's going to be that kid in a candy store and really just gravitate towards that and want to learn and want to grow. Um, I know he has that mindset. So I think he's self-aware of that, and I think his foundation is, is, is so strong that um, he'll be able to work through those moments. Aaron Fernandez, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score, the offensive line coach for the Southern Utah Thunderbirds. He coached Braxton Jones. Fourth player in Thunderbirds history drafted into the National Football League, and I know in in you know seeing your program over the years, Coach, you guys don't mind playing up from the FCS level. You faced FBS competition, and Braxton has been, of course, one of the guys with all the starts he's had throughout his career who's faced that level of competition. So for him, how how do you see how have you seen him perform in the past and sort of playing up against FBS level competition? And you know, how much development do you think will be necessary for him to be prepared to face NFL level competition? There will definitely be some layer of development, um, you know, going to the NFL and playing the best of the best. Um, you get you get a little tiny taste of that uh coming from a small school when you go to the senior bowl. Um, and then that'll just be a bigger taste now. So I know there will be a little bit of layer to that. Um, he, you know, I think why he why he fared well and, and did really good in games when we played up. He did, he wasn't out of himself. Um, he didn't have to, you know, hype himself up to to try to play up. Um, he, he, you know, I think he's very um, he believes in his abilities. And no matter who's across from him, I think he knows uh, with the tools he had and, and how hard he's worked to get to those points, he would be okay no matter the competition. Um, I think something early on he knew he would have to get better at as he as he grew into his body and started to be our left tackle and kind of uh, you know have all that responsibility um, straining to finish football plays. Um, I know that's something when um, it was his his goal uh, when he got the chance to play up um, and and really just as he got older into his career to be a better finisher and straining those moments. And I think he put that on tape. I think that's probably put himself in his position he's in. So I know there will be another layer, and I think he'll be ready for it. You know, we, we talk about traits, and a guy that is 6'5", 320, has the traits to be an NFL player. I mean, that's a large corporation of a man. Um, how, how challenging was it for you to make sure that he just wasn't overwhelming opponents with physical size, that he was picking up on all the – the technique, the you know, having that anchor and, and, you know, moving his feet, his balance, all that stuff. Was that the challenge you had with a guy this big? At times, naturally, uh, yeah. You, I mean, you hit it on that. At times, naturally, um, you know, some of the competition, if you're bigger and longer and stronger, you, you can get away with um, certain techniques. They're not as good. So, um, you know, we did our best to always challenge him, but he, he was – that guy to know that that's that wasn't good and and probably was there to point it out even before uh, myself could and so 
Um, you know, there was a little bit of that, but I think he, if you really watch his tape from being a young uh, offensive lineman um, to where he was now, um, you saw that continue to decrease and decrease, and he really honed in his technique. Um, so Lou was a little bit of a challenge at times. Um, and he, he's a lot physical and overwhelming opponents, but he did it with, uh, I saw a really good technique, and then he'll consistently continue to have to get that better, But and, and I know he will because he's that player. Um, but, yeah, you could see it in the tape really of Lou. Coach, uh, the Chicago Bears have said that they can see him at either uh, tackle spot, left tackle or right tackle. I know he played uh, left tackle for you last year. Uh, Where else did he play in college? And could you see him uh, bumping inside to guard maybe if he had to do it? Yeah, you know, actually early on in his career, uh, when he kind of really started getting going, he played on the right side as a right tackle. And there was a point in his sophomore year where he had to play a couple games at guard. But, yeah, we had had an older left tackle that was established a little bit. And so early on in his career, and then that guy eventually graduated. But he started on the right side. And just, um, you know, the way he sees the football field and and how he understands objectively what we're trying to do as a whole, um, I can see him being able to be trained and and go inside and, and play guard as well. And, like I kind of mentioned with the body development, I, I think that realm is, is not impossible in any means. How feisty is he? What's that? How feisty is he? Is he a guy with the, the temperament that, that could immediately be ready to compete at the highest level? He do, he is, man. He plays with the chip. Um, he's one of those – he's not the loudest guy in the room, so he, he really tries to do it by example. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's come a long way with his leadership, but he does have feist. He does play with the chip. Um, like I said, I saw that strain and that finish continue to like grow into, into different areas of his game. Um, I think it'll translate well to the NFL. I, I really do. Hey, Coach, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Congratulations. Big moment for the player and a big moment for you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you guys' time. Go Thunderbird. That is coach. Aaron Fernandez, the offensive line coach at Southern Utah. And, you know, again, we don't know what they have, and we'll get a better sense of it, but that's uh, that's a fifth-round pick that they traded down a couple times, and obviously if they were on him that close and they liked him that much, they felt that uh, he'd be in a spot where they could go down and get him and pick up some of these other picks we're talking about. Yeah, and really interesting tidbits about, I think, the development of him in college because I, I think he's going to have to develop in the NFL also – watching a little bit of his film, just watching his hands on tape, the ability to use his hands to punch, to keep guys off of him. Uh, you did see a little bit of what he said. They had to develop straining and finishing plays, uh, get him up from 260. So he has worked already at his game, and he'll have to continue to do so, Big Ant. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about the, the Central Michigan uh, offensive lineman. Was it Bernard uh, Ryman? Uh, Ryman, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that just in the sheer build, uh, the, there seems to be some similarities there. Whereas Ryman, you know, competed at a, at a higher level in the MAC, is a a better athlete. But Braxton Jones does really present as a high level athlete for the position. But what would have concerned me a little bit is that you know, if in the in the area of the draft that Ryman was looking at getting picked in, you know, maybe second, third round, but certainly a day two level prospect, then you draft a guy there. Do you need him to immediately contribute? And that would have concerned me a little bit for the Bears because I felt like day two is a spot that because of where the roster sits, they needed guys who could step in and do things right away. And I think they got that done. Now 
day three, you're into this point of the draft where you can get away with guys who develop mental, you know, maybe maybe he can play some kick return, field goal protection or whatever if you end up needing to dress him for a game. But it's not at a point where you need him to come in and immediately compete to be a contributor on the O-line. Although, again, you know, like Larry Borm caught so many folks off guard last year, but competed throughout his college career at a higher level, bigger, more massive guy and whatnot. But Borm was a fifth-round pick who started the bulk of the season for, for the Bears. So we'll, we'll see, you know, how developmental. But the traits end of it, Braxton Jones certainly seems to have those from a physical perspective. You, you both played high-level college football. I mean, you do worry about a guy that, that God, you know, when you're that big, and I, and I mean, you know, this is big sky country. It's not like it's Ashland, and we're talking about the, the <laughs> tight end they took at one point. But sometimes when you are a bigger, overpowering person, that mm-hmm. makes your transition more difficult because mm-hmm. now you're against people your size for perhaps the first time in your career. It, it just is something to be aware of and just something that they're going to have to teach him better technique. By all accounts, he he's better as a as a run blocker than he is as a pass protector, at least according to a couple of these guides I'm reading, that that would be a little bit worrisome if you're trying to learn technique before you can actually play in the NFL. Well, and that's why we pointed out earlier that it was interesting when Coach Aaron Hernandez said that he had to develop even at Southern Utah, right? And yeah. that's what we're talking about with a guy like this. He didn't just come in as this dominant figure. He was 260. He had a lot to work on his game. He talked about him playing right tackle, playing some guard. There were guys who were better than him playing tackle. He was not better than the older guys. He had to develop his game. And that's why I think it's so important to ask these coaches the question of uh, when they do struggle, uh, do they come to see you? Do they come to work on their game? Because uh, unless you're one of the the very, very rare people playing in the NFL, uh, you will struggle in the NFL for, for a certain amount of time. And you have to come out of that. That is the hard thing about the NFL. So uh, like you're saying, Molly, big guy, uh, got away with some bad technique probably at Southern Utah against, you know, maybe teams that you wouldn't consider SEC or, or, or Big Ten even. But uh, he's going to have to work on his game and develop his game. And you heard his coach talk about uh, get him around some veterans. He'll eat that stuff up. What he's saying is the guy loves to learn. I thought it was extremely interesting. I even see Big Ant's eyes when he said the left tackle called the scheme. That kind of threw me right. off. I don't know if I've ever heard that big end. Right. So I found that really interesting. Yeah, seems certainly sounds like a student of the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you got a guy out there like Cody Whitehair filled that role at times for the Bears as he's moved around the offensive line and even out at guard and whatnot where he, you know, had to help out with some protections at different points as they were trying to get James Daniels kind of in tune with the center position. But to be all the way out of tackle, helping with some of those things, that that's an impre- impressive aspect of just what he can be developmentally. And so if you have – the aptitude, and then you throw his athleticism into the mix, you would understand why the Bears would be excited about bringing him into House Hall. I know you guys never lost, but if you do lose a battle at the <laughs> NFL level, I mean, that's got to be a blow. I'm just saying, if you're dominating at a different level and then you come in and all of a sudden it's like, mother of God, where did this guy oh. come from? It's got to be a little bit of a transition, especially mm-hmm. if you've been – and you're right, Olin. I mean, this is a guy that didn't just come in as a giant. This is a guy that mm-hmm. grew into his body and all that stuff. But I just think it's going to be a very interesting case to keep an eye on. For sure. And, and one of the underrated, uh, uh, I think, characteristics of playing in the NFL is that, is the fact that you've dominated 
everywhere you've been. If you made it to the NFL, you probably dominated high school, you probably dominated college, and now all of a sudden, 50 to 45% of the plays, the guy is just mauling you, and you're going back to the huddle <laughs> thinking to yourself, what the hell just happened out there, right? It's never really happened to you. I always tell the story of uh, my first reach block on an Iowa nose guard, Mike Wells, and he picked me up and almost broke my neck about six yards back in the backfield. I remember laying there, and Tony Wise ran up, and he was like, Crutes, that's the effing block you were drafted for. And I was thinking, gosh, you might want to find somebody new, you know, because I don't think I can make that block. But uh, went to my room in Platteville that night, had some time alone, uh, tried to figure out a way. I had to change my technique. I had to change the way I was doing things. And that's why it's always so interesting for me to ask these coaches, yep. how does he handle that kind of when, when he loses battles in games, how does he handle it? When he has to develop his game, how does he handle that moment? And to uh, you know, not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but like the, the FCS, the, the football championship subdivision where, where Southern Utah plays, that level playing against FBS, the, the major competition, Power Five type schools, you know, a lot of folks are talking about maybe those games should go away. It's just a money grab for the smaller schools and it's a body bag game for the bigger schools that dominate one. They don't dominate quite as much as folks tend to assume, but you know Southern Utah is not a not a powerful program uh, in the Big Sky. But that being said, you do get those opportunities. A, a prospect like Braxton Jones, who wouldn't have had the opportunity to put that type of film out there against players of that caliber, if all they did was play at their level. And then you think about going into some of these you know FBS stadiums where you got you know seventy thousand, hundred thousand people out there and national TV. And it's a great opportunity for those players, for those prospects in a variety of ways. And it's you know Braxton Jones is is just one example of that. We see him all the times going through the draft process. But it's why I love that those games still exist. A lot of folks kind of you know sort of sort of brush them off and want them to go away and think they don't mean anything. But you know, like Braxton Jones, the guy who is so physically dominant at that level, he's going to be in the NFL. But even right. the guys who don't make it to the NFL, they will have those stories to tell for the rest of their lives of playing up and competing against that level of competition. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, you know, obviously this year's draft, there was no running back or tight end taken in the first round. I, I think that it, it's almost like a record. We haven't seen that where both those positions aren't taken. The Bears take a running back. Um, I, and, and I don't know enough about uh, Zachary Thomas to, to break down his game, but when you, when you think of them taking that position, are you a little bit surprised? I know the depth of the position, but if you've got David Montgomery, if you've got, uh, you know, your, um, your, your Khalil Herbert, your, yeah. your, uh, your winner of the, of, the, uh, of the Brian Piccolo Award for rookies, that's uh, significant. Why would you take a running back? Is that a is that a guy that might be able to help you on special teams? Is that just too good a value? Are you worried now about whether they give a contract to Montgomery? I, I mean, I just think a lot of things come into question when you start thinking about a new administration taking a position where you think maybe they got enough guys in the room. Especially with all the other needs that are there on the roster, right? right? I mean, you know, could, could they take too many offensive linemen if you really think about where mm. the Bears are at at the moment? Could it possibly no. be that you could take too many DBs? So, I mean, you know, there, there are other spots where it feels like you need more depth, where a variety of bodies have to be on the field in certain position groups that maybe they would have focused their draft capital on that. But the thing to remember, and especially because there are so many roster spots that will still be open even after they finish up tomorrow night or tonight, but 
They're going to add some veterans into the mix here too. So I anticipate likely multiple veteran offensive linemen who are going to be on the team between now and when they actually go up into to padded training camp. Hopefully, if, if the right situation emerges, a veteran receiver as well. But I think right now they seem to be getting into that mix of, of trying to make sure that they're getting guys with the traits they look for, whether that's physical traits, mental traits, emotional traits. And the thing is, you know, when you look at the, you know, just even looking at it just a little bit of the film here on some of the additional prospects that have come in, it really seems like, you know, that there's some boogie, there's some giddy up and go when you're, when you're watching the, the running back, uh, was it Treston? Let me see Treston's last name. Uh, Treston Ebner. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Treston Ebner who they drafted there. Just watching his film from Baylor. He's pretty electric. Yeah. He's not a big guy, but he's pretty electric. So, I mean, you know, we know they want speed. They definitely got some in with him. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that even with, like, Valus Jones Jr., uh, two guys who, who were special teams, who contributed on special teams, right? And um, he was a special teams. He was return kick returner, and he was an all-state wide receiver in high school. And you heard Coach Flues talk about developing uh, Montgomery's whole game or getting a complete back using these running backs as pass catchers and they go and get a guy who that is his strength it seems like when you read about him and like we're talking about we're all catching up on some of these prospects but um, this scheme now lends itself to these late round running backs right this outside zone scheme uh, lends itself to these uh, late round running backs one cut and go and we've seen a lot of these guys develop into Pro Bowl, All-Pro type players. So interesting to see if this guy, he has the traits, a little, you know, he's 5'11", uh, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, I think he did return kicks in college. So he brings a lot to the team, and they're just trying to get more and more guys, as you guys said, um, that are dangerous, that, that when they get the ball in their hands, uh, defenses have to rally to the tackle, that they can make a guy miss, that they get the ball out quick, right, because – uh, Justin Fields, we want to get the ball out, get in the playmakers' hands, and let these guys make plays. All right, here's hoping. We'll be back to pick apart the draft some more. You're listening to the Score Draft Show, WSCR Chicago. We're back with the Score's 2022 NFL Draft Special, starring Mully, Olin Krutz, Anthony Heron, and Mark Grody on Chicago's home for Bears fans, Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. They are passionate about football, tough they're team-oriented. Um, they communicate really well. They're responsible, dependable. All of those things that we've talked about that we look for and we want to just keep adding. Um, so the locker room gets better. The field gets better. The practice habits get better. Competition gets better. And I feel like we hit all of those parts with, with these guys. Yes, indeed, it's the draft show, and that is the draft meister himself. That's Ryan Poles, his first draft as the Bears general manager. And uh, and just to catch everyone up, here's where we're at. The Bears have uh, came into the draft without a number one pick. We all knew that because they traded for Justin Fields a year ago, and uh, they struck in the second round. They had the 39th pick. They took Kyler Gordon the cornerback from Washington, uh, then at the 48th overall pick, they took they, they got that pick on the uh, on the uh, uh, the trade of uh, Khalil Mack. They got Jaquan Brisker, the safety from Penn State, uh, in their third round, number 71, Vellis Jones, the wide receiver from Tennessee. 
Then the fifth round, they traded down numerous times. I think they made um, – well, they made a trade to pick up a couple of seventh rounders um, to start the day. And by the way, I mean, if the Bears aren't as good – as we think they are, they gave up a sixth rounder for a couple of very late seventh round picks. You know, are we going to regret that a year from now, depending on how, <laughs> when they pick? Just curious. Anyway, they needed picks, so they got them. So they uh, they traded down. Braxton Jones, uh, the offensive tackle from Southern Utah, just talked about him. Then uh, that was at 168. 174, uh, Dominique Robinson, edge rusher from Miami of Ohio. And then three sixth-round picks, 186 uh, it was, uh, was uh, Zach Thomas, the offensive tackle from San Diego State, 203, Tristan Ebner, the running back from Baylor, and 207, Doug Kramer, the center at Illinois, all sixth-round picks. They got three more in the seventh round uh, starting pretty soon. We'll hear from Grody as we, uh, as we go through the final uh, picks, but – you know, we just heard from the GM talk about the culture of the of the program. How does the culture change with these picks, guys? Do you do you do you think we now have an idea of what they're looking for at various spots, or are we still left kind of shrugging since we don't know, you know, how they looked at the whole draft, what their big board looked like? Well, they said they wanted to get fast. And they're definitely doing that. You know, you see it on the offensive side of things, what they're doing between Valus Jones, between Treston Ebner, and even Braxton Jones. You know, a, a guy's an offensive tackle who ran a sub-five flat in the 40. Now, that only means so much as a tackle, but just as far as just the sheer physical traits, the athleticism, he moves well in short space. And if you run a sub-five flat and you're over 310 pounds, you're moving. You're moving really well. So we do see physical traits that they said they value. It's one of the reasons where, you know, like a lot of folks were tweeting on day two about David Bell from Purdue as a receiver. David Bell is a better – he's a far better receiver than Bayless Jones is. That being said, they, they value speed. This regime has said multiple times the amount of speed that they want all over the football field. And for whatever, unfortunately for David Bell, as part of the reason he dropped in the draft, he's just not a swift guy. Now, I, I think the previous regime may have loved him, and he might suit certain skill sets. He's kind of the, I think he'll be the next Allen Robinson type is kind of what I tweeted out yesterday. Mm-hmm. But the, those traits, you know, not only the mental traits of what they're looking for intangibly in a guy, but tangibly, they want guys who can run. And we are seeing that play out in the draft. Yeah, and also what we've seen is, uh, the two positions on both sides of the ball that, that we thought they needed help at, uh, they went and got depth. Now, they started with, obviously, the secondary, right? And, and they filled in a few guys there, and now we're seeing a bunch of O-line picks, obviously, later. And, and we heard uh, Ryan Pohl say well, his opinion on the draft, where the draft was deep. He, I've heard a lot of people say that the offensive line was really, really deep this year. We talked a little bit about that COVID year we had thought earlier on when we started this broadcast that when they were trading back they were trying to accumulate picks so they could make sure that they weren't competing with a bunch of teams for some of these guys that they want uh later in the draft they they go get three offensive linemen right uh thomas uh braxton and doug kramer the center from illinois uh, an interesting pickup and just like they talked about their scheme right and i think the one thing that really hits me not only the football character, you hear a lot about that, obviously, with the draft. Everybody thinks they got their guy, their, their culture build, builder, their football character guy. But you see a lot of these guys who Coach uh, General Manager Ryan Post talked about uh, fitting guys into their scheme. 
Uh, you see, even in the secondary, Kyler Gordon is a real, if you think about these Tampa 2 type players, uh, that's what kind of cornerback he is. And then you look at the offensive linemen, and they're all good athletes. They move really well, and they're all projected as, if you've looked at their um, their breakdowns, their strengths and weaknesses coming into the draft, all outside zone guys. You read that throughout their, their report, and we turn the film on, that's what it looks like. Uh, they move pretty damn well. So uh, they're building a certain kind of team here for a certain kind of scheme. And then, Big Ant, you mentioned about getting the balls in, in guys' hands who can do something with it, who scare the other team. Tariq Cohn, they really miss him once he got mm-hmm. injured and, and, and he couldn't get on the field anymore. You couldn't get the ball in a guy's hands in screens and little short passes and get the ball out and hope this guy breaks a tackle. So uh, they're building a certain kind of team. Almost exactly what, what Ryan Post told us that he was looking for. Those are the kind of guys he's getting. I'm at least impressed by the, the willingness to show patience from Ryan Poles. And it's, it can't be easy, uh, especially for the position that, that this franchise is in right now where we're, we're coming out of what we thought was a, a potential window. We thought maybe there was a championship window there just a few years ago with the Khalil Mack acquisition and everything else. We're kind of thinking, all right, they might have something here. And then, you know, we just sort of, you know, slowly walked this slow march and figured out, no, nah, they ain't got nothing. This ain't happening. And now you get the new regime in. But we're fresh off of that. And so now they're they're having to, to reshape the roster. They're having to evolve this thing on the fly fresh off of just last season wondering whether or not there was still something there that could be maximized and so you, you get through free agency and they, they didn't necessarily go out and try to swing for the fences for any kind of big money veterans yeah, you, you miss on a three technique who was you know it's not like they tried to pay him top dollar like he's Aaron Donald or something but yeah they offered a real contract to Larry Ogunjobi that doesn't work out then Buffalo matches for an offensive guard who would have been a starter but there has been this this sort of patient methodical approach to things from Ryan Poles and that's played out in the draft already as well you know I, I understand some of the frustration that's there you touched on it earlier Molly just as I, I felt it throughout you know getting two DBs with the first couple of picks there like man yeah. where are the playmakers for Justin Fields you do want that as well but it does feel like they're they're trying to take a macro approach to this roster and just kind of get good everywhere the, the unfortunate part is you got a quarterback in year two and so I, I guess it would speak to whatever approach they're going to take offensively where they're not going to say hey Justin you, you got to win this thing with your right arm because I don't see the weaponry for him to be able to do that yeah I you know and I think that is probably the one takeaway that that you you can't get past it, it you know I get it they're in a rebuild, and I know it's a sensitive word, which means they don't want to say rebuild. I don't know what else that means. If you look at what they've done, they're in a rebuild. Yeah, um, reboot, relaunch. Yeah, they're, they're redoing well, something. They're doing <laughs> Remodel. Something. Whatever, whatever term you want to use, it feels like they just kind of are trying to build a new team. And I just wonder where – we're all at with the quarterback, with the protection. I, I get it. They're loading up on some bodies. They're creating some depth. And with that, some guys to – but if you look at their front uh, – you know, go into the receiver room. Even with, the, with picking up a player in the third round, what, who's, who's the best receiver in that room? And who's the guy that runs that room? Who is going to be the person that sets the kind of tone of that room? If we're talking about culture here – I think you've got, you know, you've got different rooms in this building where you're, you're just a little bit 
vacant? Mm-hmm. No, it's well yeah, said. It's well said. And we, yeah. we went through that, right? We went through that earlier on this offense. So Darnell Mooney is your number one wide receiver right now uh, going into the season. Who is your number two? Who is your number two guy to take some of the pressure off of Darnell Mooney? Will Cole Komet develop? We talked about that earlier. Are any of these offensive linemen, although some guys can be excited about them and, and kind of uh, um, project them to be, be eventually be good players, can they contribute this year? Uh, and so who is your Pro Bowl offensive lineman? Who is the guy on third and one, the whole stadium knows you're running behind and you run the ball behind him and you get it anyway? Who is that guy on your offensive line, your go-to guy, the guy you say, look, on third and eight, we're going to slide our line away from him. He doesn't need help. Do you have an offensive lineman there who doesn't need help in one-on-one pass pro versus most pass rushers in the NFL? Your, your immediate answer is, unless someone shows you something different, no, you don't. So, um, you know, we're hoping Valus Jones Jr. is the guy who, who is dynamic, get the ball in his hands, break a few tackles. Uh, my guy Alex Brown on the NBC Sports After Show calls it 88 out the gate. We need guys like that, guys who scare you, right? Take the top off of defenses. Uh, this offense has, with a brand-new offense coordinator who's never called plays in the NFL, with you going defense really early and not addressing your biggest need, which is scoring points on offense. This offense continues to have a lot of questions going into this season. Really curious with Zachary Thomas, how how frequently, like, was there a point in his life where he went by Zach and just got tired of everybody maybe confusing him with the, uh, the would-be <laughs> Hall of Fame linebacker? Yeah. He just said, yeah. you know what, just call me Zachary. Let's at least just try to simplify this thing yeah. a little bit. You know, is there – when you talk about scoring points, um, you know, I, and I hate to say this, but I, I wonder sometimes watching the Bears last year and, and guys we obviously talked about it uh, quite a bit um, – when they couldn't score, did teams go in? I mean, did teams not even load up on them to score points on that defense because they knew, well, we can punt the ball, they're not going to do anything, and we can get it back from Justin Field, what, whatever the, the, the attitude may have been. But I just wonder how much that affected even the way that the teams played against the Bears. When you are not a team that scores points – I don't know how many teams out there are, are scared of you in any way, given what's going on in the modern NFL, where 28 points seems like, you know, everybody's got that in their hip pocket. It definitely changes the approach that the opponent will take offensively. Yeah. They, they don't feel under pressure. You're not playing downhill at them when you're not putting – when you're not putting points on the board. And so when they know that the Bears are going to struggle against their defense, they can be as conservative as they want to be. They can be as calculated with their shot plays as they want to be because they're not really worried about trailing in the game because it's the Bears' offense on the opposing sideline. And, you know, right now as it sits, and it's not, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world if, if this is a targeted approach that the Bears are taking right now, but it certainly does seem to be a team at the moment that's setting itself up for leading with the ground attack, trying to take that pressure off the O-line, off the quarterback, not having those predictable third and long scenarios. But then here's your targeted play action game, a lot of what we kind of got to the point of talking about late in the season last year that they tried to implement. But, you know, talked about that, you know, infinitum, just where it's, it was guys who were miscast, you know, in, in a, on the field, miscast as coaches to really execute that at a high level. But for the moment, it certainly doesn't seem like we're going to see 
uh, and, and approach that leads to the type of scoring we saw in Green Bay. Not, not as of yet, you know, but that will need to be earned and improved out. Uh, and Luke Getze, it's his, 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 his first time. There's a lot of newness over there at Hallis Hall. So I, I, I guess I at least respect that because you got so many new figures there that, that it is a, a patient approach with trying to be as targeted as they can with the, the type of talent that's being you know, accumulated and how the coaches are going to run things. We knew he had a, a defensive head coach who was going to be going at this thing. So I guess it shouldn't be too shocking that, that they haven't gone out of their way to, to add a whole lot of offensive playmakers yet. But it would be nice to get them a little bit more than they got. Mm-hmm. And, and the yeah, word well, you uh, used, Big Ant, was uh, Ryan Pose's discipline, right? And mm-hmm. uh, you thought early on, okay, uh, they know they need offense. Uh, we're going to get to week one next, next year, and we're going to say, man, where are they going to find these points they need to beat whatever team they're playing, right? And, and like you guys are talking about, they go into games and the other team is probably in their coaches meeting, like we get to 20 points, we'll just sit on the ball and not make mistakes because these guys uh-huh. cannot beat us. That was the Bears' problem uh, when we talk about last year. So uh, they go into this draft and he sticks, it seems to me, he just said, whoever the best player is on my board, uh, that's who I'm taking. I'm taking the best player on my board early on. He told us he would do that. And he's stuck to that. And it is a discipline approach. I just uh, come away thinking I'm surprised he didn't have some guys higher uh, when you're a guy who talks about the trenches so much. When you're a guy who talks about you have to win on the offensive line, you have to win on the defensive line. And I'm just really, really curious uh, going into hearing from him more on what he thinks he has on that offensive line and where this free agency will take us. Now, I know they're getting a bunch of late round picks now and they're filling up. Uh, that offensive line room depth, room depth chart wise, but not guys who are projected to be Pro Bowl types or All Pro types. You may get one, you may get lucky and get one and develop one, uh, but development, the weight room, Coach Morgan, the offensive line coach, on that. Just speaking about offensive line, because we know here in Chicago, uh, once the season starts, everybody will complain about the offensive line. <laughs> and we are the draft show on the score. We're back with the Scores 2022 NFL Draft Special, starring Mully, Olin Krutz, Anthony Heron, and Mark Grody on Chicago's home for Bears fans. Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. All right, we're going to catch you up with all the draft picks. We're going to head out to Hallis Hall. We'll bring in Mark Grody. We'll figure out everybody that was taken by the Bears. I don't think we're throwing a grade on it or anything but we will mention what it looks like in the division. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but the Lions just took another edge rusher in the sixth round. I believe that's three for their draft. Uh, might be might be a little bit of an issue. We'll talk to Grody. We'll get the latest news, and we'll pick it apart. We'll do that next on the draft show. And draft coverage on the score is presented by Amco Transmissions and Total Car Care. Call 1-800-GO. Amco for the location nearest you. You're listening to Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 